Okay, hello, welcome to what episode 154 of Sack King's Therapy. This is going to be a fun episode, just to really rub it in Lakers fans' face. Oh, yes. After a five-game losing streak, we finally won. And guess who? It's against the Lakers. It is against the Lakers, and fittingly, the King, Kings, uh, the arena, put up a Lakers exodus um, cam to just show you just the the defeat of the Laker of Laker Nation. Just walk, you know, the the image of them walking out the arena before the game is over. That's that was satisfying. Ah, uh, yes, it's always nice, a nice feeling to win. So- so the game was oh, well. Let me just go through the game. Sorry to cut you off. Um, well, actually, what do you want to say before I get into the game? I mean, I'm pretty happy to be honest. I'm hoping that the Kings, uh, well, who knows? I hope we turn it around for the next, hopefully, couple games. But I mean, a win's a win. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the game. The game, for the most part, was actually pretty close. Well, like, Lakers, it was close, but Lakers, like, clearly had the advantage for basically the entire first half. They actually got up as much as either 14 or 12. I don't remember the exact number, but it looked like they were going to start pulling away. But they kind of just let the Kings back in it. The Kings, you know, they made just enough plays on offense and defense to just kind of keep it close. By halftime, they were trailing by only six. And then, you know, in, t- in I guess, non-typical Kings fashion, they come out the uh, third quarter strong and actually built off the momentum. They In the middle of the third quarter, they go on a 26-12 and 12 run. Uh, by the 454 mark and they kind of keep that momentum going for most of the quarter they end up closing the quarter by 11 the only kind of the only thing i will say about you know before this run and the only thing that kind of kept this like from becoming a bigger lead was dwight howard and later on austin reeves dwight howard as soon as he checked in was offensive rebounds galore yeah, luckily we all, he only had a pretty like short stint, and it's mostly in the second quarter uh, where he just kept on, you know, rebounding against us and pretty much getting all those second chance points against us, which would killed a lot of our runs and especially getting a lot of Lakers points. But luckily, for some reason, I'm surprised he didn't play more in like the third even the fourth quarter i'd say so i'm so i have a note here that says that they had 20 second chance points by 256 of the second quarter i believe they finished by 22 can you check that for me finish 22 let's see uh they have yeah they finished with 22 so yes, that in the first half they had twenty. I believe that's the last point they also got in the first half. They had 20, 22 second chance points, and and I'm just gonna say they have twenty. They had at least twenty second chance points in the first half, and possibly only got two the rest of the game, and most of that was on Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was a absolute monster on the boards. It, it was funny, like you know the Kings go on their run in the third quarter, 
as soon as he checks it, he gets an offensive rebound. It was just poetic. And, you know, like, we're, this podcast is mostly going to be positive for the most, because guess what? The Kings win. We haven't seen that in, in a while, and it's against the Lakers. But to get a little negative, the Kings have no idea how to box out as a team. They just don't. No, and, you know, I don't know uh, about the coaches or maybe the players, but someone's got to tell them to box out or, you know, practice boxing out because, geez. I don't uh, remember if you uh, – oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. But, yeah, just surprisingly, we almost matched the uh, Lakers in terms of rebounds, but we need to box out those, uh, what you would call it, defensive rebounds against the Lakers especially. So the thing, the thing with the boxing out stuff. So I remember I listened to a podcast from, uh, I believe it was Andrew Schleck and those guys. They do a Thunder podcast, and they said they were courtside for the OK, the first OKC versus uh, Kings game, the one in OKC. And the apparently for much of the game, Luke Walton is yelling from the bench, "Box out, box out, box out." Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that that got offensive rebounds that game that ended up winning the game, Lou Dort. And I all, I've always said, like, the forwards do what they can to, to try and get rebounds. Like, Chemezi Metsu, I, like, I think he just does everything he can to get rebounds, and I love that about him. But he needed help from the guards because he can't box out the entire team by himself. And that's kind of what happened. Like, even when Dwight wasn't getting the rebound, he would somehow, he would basically inspire his teammates to get offensive rebounds. Avery Bradley got one. I think Russ got one, like, in the second quarter. Like, everybody started feasting on offensive rebounds. I swear to God, there was a stretch of, like, five or six possessions where they did, where the Kings did not get a single defensive rebound. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's just, uh, uh, what was I saying? Just not in the right place at the right time uh, at most times, but there's times where we would have like at least three guys just surrounding Dwight, and somehow Dwight still ends up getting the rebound. So, yeah, so something needs to change uh, there, especially, you know, going on forward. So I remember there, there was a video like way back in the day. This was back in Dwight's prime. And basically he put out a video of how to rebound. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch the video at the time. I should probably watch it now. But he basically, basically all the comments were like, step one, be a 6'11", big, big, you know, be 6'11", is basically step one. And then step three, be 6'11". So, you know, like, yes, that's that's a funny joke. But the reality is he is a very good offensive rebounder. He knows where to be. He has it like he just knows how to like, you know, overpower guys. And he kind of like you know in the last dance dennis Rodman, like he says he reads where the ball bounces so that he knows where it you know where it ends where he can rebound the ball and you can't deny that those are legitimate things you can actually try in practice now i don't know if dwight reads the ball but he definitely has the instinct to be in the right place at the right time always ah yeah yeah i mean imagine if he played more than 15 minutes uh this game i think it would have been a little different. I, I honestly don't know why they took him out. Like, it's not like the King. Like, when the Kings went go small, it's not. It's not like something that the Lakers can't, you know, overpower with their big ball. You know. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know what that. What the deal with that is. Yeah, and he's he's like one of the only guys in the team that actually has a pretty good plus minus overall in terms of you know effectiveness in uh, the game. 
well, yeah, uh, I don't I don't know why they don't play him more. I mean, like the Lakers fans have been complaining about Coach Vogel. Maybe there is something there, but like overall, I don't think it's all it's on Vogel. But like it, you, you can ask the question, like maybe why don't you play Dwight more? At least he didn't play um, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> now that would be that would be very offensive. To say yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so more to the positives. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, Kings got to keep up their pace, but I'll, but like the Kings just did not get any love from the refs, and like they just there was a, a sequence. Like I believe they were up eight, and Marvin Bagley like drives to the like gets the pass from De'Aaron Fox, gets smacked on the hand twice, or no, he gets smacked on the hand, no call, it leads to a, a, a run out. Same, basically the exact same play the ne- next way down. Uh, De'Aaron Fox runs the screen and roll and and gets it to Marvin, who again gets, this time gets the shit smacked out of his hand to the point where he crumples to the ground. No call. And it basically, it basically led to a four-point game. Like, the Kings, like, you know, you want to make the jokes about, like, 2002 and, you know, like, Lakers and Kings, you always kind of have that, have that kind of looming in the background. I, you can't deny it. The, 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 the Lakers got all the calls in the fourth. Yeah. And another guy who also, you know, got called on is, you know, Davion, of course. Seems like, you know, like you said before, he's just getting all these um, rookie-esque calls uh, because there was a couple times where I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure it was Reeves, to be honest. And, you know, Man, Reeves has to have had at least probably six or seven fouls against us this game. And like three or four of them in the fourth, like just by himself. And like, you know, earlier in the game, like Davion's trying to guard, trying to guard like uh, Westbrook. And you swear to God, like it was a rematch of Lawrence Thunderbird versus Shaq where he can't touch the guy. And I don't even know what he's supposed to do. He got an and one on Terrence Davis, like where he just barrels into the guy for a foul for an and one. It's like, what is Terrence Davis supposed to do? But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on the refs too much. Let, let's talk about Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves was huge in the fourth, and you know he hit big shots. He he has a knack for making shit happen, and one of the ways he makes shit happen, he just gets calls, and it was so frustrating. I mean, I just started laughing of you know, just like the kinds of call he was getting. Like in a very similar play where LeBron like kind of charged like Davion or like uh, like earlier in the first half, like Davion doesn't get that call, but a very similar call with De'Aaron Fox just kind of lowering his shoulder and bumping into Austin Reeves. It's a charge. And then late and then later on, there's a foul where, you know, to be fair, Buddy Hill stupidly kind of extends his arm and Austin Reeves takes advantage of flops to the ground like a fish. And like, he had a knack for just making shit happen. And, you know, dare I say it, one guy that didn't make shit happen and was white on this team, he, he reminded me a little bit of Alice Caruso. Uh, yeah, he pretty much is like the Alice Caruso 2.0, just slightly, I would know, I'd say a little worse in terms of defense. Like, I mean, like, one thing I loved about Caruso, like, on offense was he knows how to cut. And, like, LeBron is, you know, one of the one of the greatest passers of all time and can find, like, Caruso cutting. Austin Reeves is building that with, is building that chemistry with, um, with 
LeBron. And like, he he's a, I think he's a joy to watch in a way. Like he was huge. Like he just kept making things happen. He was hitting big threes. He was getting big foul calls. Like, of course on defense, he's nowhere near as good as Caruso. The Kings actually hunted him. But like, you know, like just to piss off, you know, Lakers fans more, you could have had both. Oh man, it was, could you imagine this team now? Yeah, I mean, this team's already just a dumpster fire in my opinion, in in a way. Let's talk about the final few possessions. So after those two uh, Marvin non-calls, Chemezi Metsu checks in, and I believe that is the play he hits the big three. Coming back down, I believe, no, no. So, okay, so rewind. Sorry, I don't have this sequence uh, in front of me, but this is this is what happened. Um, they, the Lakers get a stop, or uh, God damn it, I should I should I should have looked this up. But Lakers Lakers get a stop, and Westbrook comes back down, and he you know he's kind of dribbling around. He's trying to kind of find an opening. You know, Harrison Barnes rightfully goes way under the screen. There's no penetration, no play there, and then and then Harrison goes under the screen again. And Westbrook takes the three. That what like you know the the next the next play Chemezi Metsu hits a dagger, but I'll just say the dagger was Westbrook shooting that shot and ended up breaking. And like I I should have kept my eye on LeBron, but it, it felt like on the corner of my eye LeBron just like slumped his shoulders like fuck. <laughs> I mean yeah, there was also Monk out there too, so. There's choices in terms of, uh, you know, personnel attempting a free, but of all people, he was the one that, you know, took the ball, drove it up the court, and just made his own shot. Yeah, and like, <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, like, at that moment, I could, part of me could, I, well, I don't know how angry you would feel. Maybe it's something like how we feel against Buddy, but I imagine Lakers fans wanted to choke Westbrook on that, on that shot, because that was a terrible shot like just absolutely terrible and that and again that was a dagger at least to the Mets two three and the and the Lakers don't really threaten after that the Kings get a stop on the other end and that was it basically you know a great win for the Kings you know again snapping their five game losing streak and you know maybe build some momentum who knows yeah I guess we shall see like, let, let's quickly shout out the players. Chemezi Metsu, five for eight, two for four from three. The one he hit uh, with 40, about 45 seconds ago, that was huge. Again, he rebounds the shit out of the ball. He does what he can, you know, despite some of his limitations. He had a beautiful lob dunk too. Uh, I believe it was in the third to kind of really key off that third quarter run. King scored 40 points in the third quarter. That's crazy. Oh man, really? But uh, yeah, going uh, back to uh, Metsu, Luckily, surprisingly, he didn't shoot too many frees like, you know, he used to. Uh, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, if he hits those frees, it's a pretty big bonus for us. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Marvin. Marvin, I thought, wasn't great on offense. Like, he just, like, he kept blowing, like, little layups. Like, he had good good moments but he blew a lot of, he blew a lot of layups and part of it probably has to do with the hand i think the hand is bothering him mm. but on defensive end you know out like granted as a help defender he was not good there were so many moments where i got was very frustrated with him but this dude guarded lebron for most of the game and did a, and did a good enough job and honestly baited lebron into a lot of threes i don't, well, I don't know about baiting lebron into a bunch of threes just kind of le- giving him en- enough of a cushion to kind of 
you know, to, yeah, again, lure him, just lure him into taking more threes. And, you know, when he drove, for the most part, he did an admirable enough job kind of keeping him just enough out of the lane and making him pass. Like, you know, kudos to him. If you ever told me before the season that Marvin Bagley was going to guard LeBron James for long stretches during the season against the Lakers, I would have called you crazy and I and I would have told you to get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. He's not doing that. But he's uh, been he's been doing good. Oh, yeah. Especially during that um, 20 point uh, stretch run that we had. I mean, we saw LeBron shoot at probably like five straight of his uh, own shots was just threes and you know didn't go in luckily but uh going by his rebounds and same with metu i mean they they rebounded real well for us this game yeah and again like he again i didn't think he had a great offensive game but like when he's doing all the other stuff like you know just rebounding the ball like he had enough he made enough plays where i thought it was fine and of course guarding lebron just well enough to you know be at least passable is a huge plus and you know all the credit in the world to him for being able to do it mm-hmm. uh harrison barnes kind of finally woke back up like i don't remember the last time he had a 20 point game but a 23 point game hit some huge threes ha- like he had some huge like iso finishes down the stretch he had one left-handed kind of floater hook shot looking thing that w- went just over lebron's fingertips that was crucial in the fourth <laughs> Like he and then like you know Marvin guarded LeBron for most of the game. He closed on LeBron in the fourth, and I think he played the entire fourth quarter. And you know he was huge. Like he, he is Mr. Reliable, although like lately he hadn't been as reliable or he hadn't been doing as much lately. But this game he was great. Oh yeah, cannot he cannot disappoint. But yeah, those threes, man. There were some threes where he was like at the right place at the right time no defenders around him and he just hits and like credit to him for that one of the final plays where like i think yeah avery bradley is open in the corner he misses barnes and westbrook fights for the rebound he manages to tip it to himself and pass it to fox going out of bounds like for the for the entire game we have been struggling to you know just rebound the ball that was an incredible play i love that play oh yeah okay just to, just to kind of go down the road, De'Aaron Fox looked like a superstar. There was one play um, in the third, which actually sparked the run, was basically he he drives to the rim and and gets fouled by gets fouled by Avery Bradley. On the replay, Avery Bradley just karate chops him across the arms. No call. You see, like De'Aaron Fox literally just stand up straight and just say, "What the fuck?" Basically. And after that, he basically, he played angry. He started just attacking and bullying guys. You know, like he kept, he comes back and just like makes up for it by just getting an easy layup on Avery Bradley who can't keep him in front. And then on the, and then like a few plays after gets an and one on, on Malik Monk to really like start like the slaughter basically. Yeah, there was really not many Lakers that could stop Fox and you know, their help defense really not the greatest especially against fox so yeah he got to the rim pretty easily that was the thing about like again although i've heard different versions of the story like that's the thing where if you just trade it for buddy healed it could have kept kcp kcp probably could have at least been a defender for 
for De'Aaron, but instead you got Avery Bradley, who's a minimum guy, who's, you know, past his prime. And you just don't have a guy for boxing anymore, really. Like, you have to rely on the help defense, and, like, you know, you have to hope that he passes as a teammates who can't make shots. But in this game, they made shots, so, like, the Lakers couldn't do anything. Like, that's the, that's another thing. You just, this is what, that Buddy Heel trade will always haunt them for go instead going with Westbrook, because Westbrook ain't guarding guard De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> and then, of course, on offense, in this game, he ain't providing you shit. Two for 14. Uh, granted, not a, not a bad plus minus. Only a minus seven. But, like, 0 for 5 from 3. 2 for 14. 12 rebounds, though. Good for him. <laughs> but, like, it's just... Oh, man. Yo, you guys fucked up on that trade. That will always haunt them every time the Lakers or the Kings do something good with Buddy Heald. Uh, yeah. But it's... Somewhat a blessing in disguise because you know it's the Lakers that uh, you know put themselves in this situation. Let me just check something real. Oh, he did have one turnover. Never mind. He did have one turnover. Only one. Man. Although I will say some of his shots might as well have been turnovers. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> one on Davion where he just threw it off the bottom of the backboard. Like I don't know what the fuck that was, but. Anyways, let's move on to Halliburton. Halliburton only had 14 points, but it felt like he had way more. And that's like that's how you tell that it's a good game for Halliburton. And especially in, in games where we win. Like he was he had 14 points and 10 assists, but like his fingerprints were all over the game. And when the game was getting desperate, he hit some huge threes. And granted, he only had two, but those two threes like were big. Oh, yeah. And his 10 assists, man, he was luring a lot of Lakers around the perimeter just to find an open man or, you know, especially, you know, this game, we haven't mentioned this. There was a lot more pick and rolls this game, especially run by Halbert, either to Metsu or Bagley, especially in the first quarter, too. And also, like, getting into the role, man. I don't know why they didn't do it more last game. Like, it felt like when they actually got the ball to Alex Len, good things happened. But, like, you know, this game they did it more, and it and it really worked. And also, Halliburton's getting really good at doing what I call, like, the Chris Paul or the James Harden. It's more, it's more Chris Paul to me because what he does is that he gets the pick and roll, drives it at the guy who's dropping, and forces the switch. Now, like, now he has a mismatch on the perimeter, but he also, Len, like, the big, big man has a mismatch down low. It usually ended up being Len this game. Like, Len now has a mismatch that he can that he can get the offensive rebound with. And that's an evolution that I love, and I hope that this is a more consistent thing. Just him forcing the switch. Well, let's hope it keeps up, because this is probably one of the games where we've seen probably the most improvement from uh, previous games. Yeah, and probably probably well, we have two more guys. Like Alex Len did a good job. He he didn't he didn't take 14 shots this game, which is good. <laughs> he he <laughs> did what he could. So he came off the bench this game because they, I I'm pretty sure this is the plan. They wanted him to hold Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard killed us in LA uh, at the last game, and they basically brought him in only specifically to guard Dwight. Still, really couldn't keep him off the boards because what ha what always happens is that the Kings give up dribble penetration. He has to help, and Dwight is just perfect in being able to find the spot to be able to grab the rebound. So, you know, he did an admirable job. He had some really big plays like us as well down the stretch, but although I will say his passing is just so, so just chaotic like he had one to Harrison Barnes where it just ended up in the backcourt and like you know he 
he was he wasn't bad but like there were just enough moments where i'm just like man he just he he doesn't do enough he needs to do more yeah i mean in some plays i think we just need you know slow it down a little take our time make a good play probably run more offense through halbert and that's about it i think <laughs> And again, he didn't force it. He only had four shots, made three of them. So good. So good. Amazing mm-hmm. enough, only one defensive rebound. Oh, yeah. Most I... of that was trying to, well, most of that was helping and not being mm-hmm. able to box out Dwight. So I mean, kind of makes the... sense, but it's like, wow, yeah. one rebound, one oh. defensive rebound. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of those rebounds probably went to Bagley, uh, Barnes, and Matt, too, because, you know, they were out there with him. Okay, last guy we're going to talk about, Buddy Heal, 29 minutes. In 29 minutes, only took eight shots, but made four of them, two two of five from three. He did have one three in transition, which I the, it's the type I don't love, where he kind of rushes it in transition. He's open, but like he definitely rushes it, and it usually ends up being long. But other than that, you know, a good, efficient game from him. Like, he had some naps like some gaffes but like he you know he did a decent enough job of just passing it when he gets blitzed which is becoming kind of a thing and you know like he hit some big threes that gave the kings just enough separation to kind of to kind of start going away or not go away but like he hit enough shots to kind of really basically punch the lakers really hard so that they it's harder for them to get back in the game yeah i gotta say he was okay i mean i i still cannot forgive him for just driving down on a fast break just to try taking his own way up while there's two other guys in the perimeter open for three. something well no there was three guys around him oh was, was, was there the big, there was no one on the other side which was the other thing that kind of pissed me off why'd you take why'd you go one on three like you're not mm-hmm. lebron james yeah yeah yeah. so it's like that was like the one play but like he was pretty solid on defense there's probably like some back cuts that i missed but like overall i thought he was fine on defense mm-hmm. okay well that's that's a that's what we have for like this game a, a great win you know like finally I, I mean my optimism for the kings like i felt like i finally been broken like my optimism for the Kings was really like running low and it was just, you know, it's refreshing to finally be able to love basketball again. Oh yeah. Well, I guess the true test is now, can we beat the Rockets on Friday? Don't we play them twice? I think think twice in a row. I think. Is it really twice in a row? Let me check really quickly. I have it open. Because I, I know it's two, like three out of the four games is Houston and the Pistons. So yes, it's uh, it's Friday against Houston at home, and then fr- Sunday against Houston at three at home, and then Detroit on Wednesday. Look, oh boy. Look, I'll never say the Kings should win these games, but this is as close as it gets, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well... I'm hoping we uh, get a few more wins because we're pretty close. We're getting closer. We're inching back into the play-in slowly. The thing that I do worry about, like, the Rockets do have scores on their team. Like, they have guys that are not good players right now, particularly Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. I don't know what to think of them, but, like, it's they have guys that can score the ball, and they could get hot. 
So is like this... I feel one of these games, the one like one of KPJ or Jalen Green is gonna just go off and it's gonna get real dicey. Either they're gonna blow us out or it's gonna be an uncomfortably close game. Oh man. Is this gonna be a def- defense optional game? I think very much, unfortunately. That that's where like I am. Like the again, the optimist the optimist part of me is just not there anymore. Um just yeah, I I feel I, I hate to say it. I think I think they're gonna drop one of these games, and it's gonna be very frustrating. Let's see, which game do you predict? One of Houston's or Detroit? Um, I think one of Houston's. I think Detroit. I don't want to say I'm less worried about Detroit. Detroit does have Cade, and Cade can go off, and Sadiq Bay kills us. It feels like every time. So I don't know. My hope, my wish is to win all three, but I think they're gonna drop one of these. I hate to say it. Yeah, I'm going to say one of Houston as well. And I'm hoping that we win another on Houston and hopefully Detroit. But yeah, Detroit's a little iffy. Okay, so that's going to be our coverage for the King. Well, like for the main portion of the Kings, we're actually going to transition into some extra topics that I came up with after listening to some podcasts today. So... Like, let, let me first ask you a question. Would you prefer us to go to just, like, call it call it quits on the season? Like, do whatever you're going to do at the trade deadline. But, you know, whether or not, like, you basically have to pick one of these directions. You're either going to go all in in the playoffs, and I mean playoffs, not just the play-in. Or would you rather just kind of, like, you know, tear it down and tank? Which Ooh. does, which doesn't mean trading De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, as his, as his team has shown that we'll still lose with them. So that's not the <laughs> issue. But like, say sh- maybe shut down one of those guys and then just kind of try and tank and develop. Like, say play more Kata, play more Woodard, play play more Ramsey. Or would you rather like them try and go for the playoffs? I think. I think we should try at least to go to the playoffs because we're so close. We're pretty cool. Well, wait, hold on. To the eighth seed, let's see, five games? I believe so. It's a pretty big uh, It's a okay. pretty big gap, if I remember right. Yeah, five games, man. Mm. I mean, yeah, might as well go for it. Even if we do make it to the play-in, it's still a chance to, you know, head to the playoffs. So I'd say go all in. Look, I'm in the same boat as you. My dream scenario, somehow we end up playing the Lakers in the play-in and we beat them. That's my dream scenario. I, I don't think it'll happen, but yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my dream scenario. So that's why I that's why I personally would push for the play-in just to end up in say the nine spot or the ten spot. And just like in that final play-in game, the Lakers are the ones we're playing and we beat them in LA to finally give him the middle finger for all these years <laughs> after all these it's been a one-sided rivalry but it's a it, it would be an it would be an incredible way to get revenge when they have lebron james on the team and we somehow beat them i don't i don't think lebron will let it happen that's the one guy i'll say like that i think is the scariest when it comes to basketball that matters uh yeah but uh only so, if we can imagine <laughs> Well, the reason why I ask you that question is because, like, me and you are in the minority. A lot a lot of Kings fans want us to finally tear down a tank. They've watched enough miserable basketball. But the national media is almost universally say, 
just just punt on this season. Like just tank for one more season. Go for try and go for Chet Holmgren. Try and go for Jabari Smith. Try and go for Paolo Benicero. I think is, is his name. Uh, by the way, I saw clips of Jabari Smith and Paolo. I like them. They're they're nice. Um, but most most uh, most national guys say that we should try and just you know tank the season and don't and don't let the play-in fool you because the play-in isn't really the playoffs. They don't think we can make the playoffs, and like the play-in is ultimately like meaningless. So that's what the national media tends to think, and that. You know, they sh- we should trade off Barnes. We should trade off like Heel. Maybe you keep around Fox. Like they, national media really wants us to trade away Fox. Like they, they want us to just trade everyone and just start over, build around uh, Davion and uh, Halliburton. So that I guess that's my question to you. Like remember the scenario I put in yesterday. Let's just say there's no Ben Simmons trade to be made. And instead, the best thing you can do is somehow get Sabonis. Let's just say we give up a, a two draft picks for Sabonis and like Buddy and Marvin, maybe. Actually, they probably won't take that. But like, let's just say best case scenario, like we end up with Sabonis. Would you want to do that? If it revolves on around Buddy and Bagley and. I think that actually might be too much money. You might be able to just do, you might be able to just do it with uh, Buddy. So Buddy for Sabonis. I don't think they'll take uh, that deal. What was the problem? Yeah. But let's okay. Let, let, let's pretend it this way. Marvin and Buddy are gone. Not specifically in that trade. Maybe you just get them for picks, which is uh-huh. pretty impossible. But um, like you get them for picks, but somehow Sabonis ends up on your team, and let's just say Barnes is also gone. Like, would you want to do that? I probably would because, you know, they have have not been good all season, to be honest. I mean, they had a good game today, sure. But, I mean, how, how long are we going to keep this up, to be honest? I, I don't know. Sabonis doesn't do it for me. I, I don't want to give up picks for him. Apparently, his asking price is really high. Uh, um, I see. And so I actually, and if that's the case, like trade for some bonus or punt on the season, I will punt on the season. Uh. <laughs> My opinion, I'm just, I'm not a fan of some bonus. If you talk, you can, I would rather get Miles Turner because first of all, his, his, uh, his price tag is a lot lower apparently. Um, and you know, I don't know what you have to give up, but like, I think he fits in to the, uh, we're not good enough to talk about fit, but like, I would prefer him on my team more than anything, but anyways so let's get i hate to do this but let's get back to talking about ben simmons so you um well like we both heard the news this morning so apparently daryl Morey is trying to package ben simmons and tobias harris in a trade together and i managed to conjure up a trade that i think could technically work the only issue is it involves the Portland Trailblazers and it involves them trading Dane. So the the trade, let me pull it up. I have it saved here somewhere in our Discord. Okay. So basically, we end up getting Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. Portland gets Marvin Bagley and all the picks that we can give that that the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers can give 
for Damian Lillard, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Chemezi Metsu, and Robert Woodard, all to, the, all to the Sixers. Marvin goes to Portland and all the picks, we end up getting Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. That's one of, that's one of my ideas. I think I think you said you were okay with it. Yeah, I'd say I would be pretty okay with it. But man, 76ers are getting a lot of, <laughs> a lot of guys. For, like, uh, I, I will say, like, do you see Tobias Harris as a positive asset or a negative asset? Or do you think he's an upgrade over Harrison, specifically? I think it would be about the same for me, to be honest. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the catch with... Uh, um, Tobias, he has about 90 million left. I think almost 100 million left. I think on his deal. Basically, we're paying him till he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Which yeah, is a pretty long time. It's a lot of money for a guy that's about doing what Harrison is. I will say, I probably think he'll be better for this team than Harrison is. Harrison does a lot of other things that help on a good team. Tobias Harris is really good at scoring. And I, as from what I've seen from the Sixers, a much more assertive, um, assertive score. The main issue I have with Harrison, as especially as of late, not a very assertive score. Like we always talk about, like Metsu and like Bagley and last game against the Cavs with Len taking too many shots, not enough shots for, um, not enough shots for Harrison, uh, De'Aaron and uh, Halliburton. I think if you end up, I think if you end up with Harris, like he is going to take shots, and you know he has the size to just shoot over guys. He can generate a decent enough shot, and I think he ends up fitting into the Kings a little bit better. The defensive thing is a whole nother is a whole nother monster to deal with, but like we can figure that out. I think. Yeah, I can see that happening, but man, a uh, hundred million almost. It is. Let's see. So we're getting rid of Harrison's contract, and who else are we giving up again? Buddy? Buddy, Bagley, Metu, and Woodard. I see. So we'll be paying a little more because there's also Ben Simmons in that part. So, ooh, yeah. Are we over the cap? Uh, So I believe we would be over the cap, but it works in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, just salary cap-wise. It does fit. So this this trade did go mm -hmm. through. Um, so honestly, I would do this trade. Like, if you can get Ben Simmons mm-hmm. and Tobias Harris, that is changing the core. That is substantial change, yeah. to me, in my opinion. Yeah. And and the fact that you, I, in this specific one, the reason why I did it, you don't have to give up Fox. However, huh. however, it does hinge on Dame being available. There's another option, but I don't know. I can't be completely certain it works. But it does involve John Collins and Bogey. The thing is, John Collins is contract situation is weird there's a weird provision that he where he may or may not be traded before the deadline it's a weird thing so i don't know when he can be traded so um that's one of the options my main thing is that you are able to keep De'Aaron fox and halliburton on this team and you know as a bonus we're able to keep davion i don't know if this works in reality because i imagine like daryl wants something more (laughs) <laughs> so that's where it gets tricky oh man man either that or he wants to give West picks to Portland then so ah man so that's why I'm saying like Portland only gets Marvin Bagley the player 
But, yeah. but I would just say, all right, st- we're going to start at three draft picks. Do you want more? Four, you want four, five, fine. You want five, you want five like maybe th- two pick swaps and three picks? Go for it. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, at this point in time, I'd be okay with it too. Yeah, I think, again, yeah. I, we need to overhaul this core. And yeah. I think getting Tobias and getting Ben Simmons, like... I think I think that will again very much like substantially change the core, and I think like you don't lose, you don't lose that much offense in my opinion. Although like losing Buddy, like we crap on Buddy all the time, like he does bring a level of offense to us. Harrison, we're gonna miss his defense and you know good great three point shooting. He's forty two percent on the season, and like Metu, like we're gonna miss him. Like Woodard, he hasn't been able to show much. I hope he finds like his way at some point. But like it's, I think if you've managed to get Simmons and Tobias, like even though his contract is blown, is a good player. That is a different core. That is, a, I think that is a, a deep, like a decent haul, and you're able to fix some problems like that. Maybe it opens up more problems, but I think this is worth the risk. <laughs> yeah. Plus, we'll have years, you know, for. Things to come, I guess. Plus, uh, I mean, if it doesn't work out this season, if we do get Tobias and Ben Simmons, I mean, hopefully stuff will happen in the off season, I guess. Do you think, like, do you think the, I guess, do you think like Philadelphia, like, say adding Sim, like adding Tobias to the, adding Tobias to like to the trade into the trade for Simmons, do you think that lowers their asking price or ups their asking price for Simmons? Oh uh, well, in Daryl's mind, it probably ups the asking price. So, it again, like it's just. Apparently, I read a I read a report saying from a from a good source saying that apparently, like Joel Embiid and ownership is completely fine with what Daryl was doing uh, with Ben Simmons. They like they do not they are not lowering their asking price, and like they're they're all in line with that. So it's like, I hope that actually like that brings them more to reality. And, and the fact that you're trying to attach uh, Tobias to them, and the fact that that is just so much money. Like, you can't see that as actually upping the asking price. If you're including Tobias in it, I'm actually just saying, like, okay, like, we're taking on a fuckload of money. Like, you need to lower, you then the price for Simmons needs to come down then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really, you know, up to Daryl, I guess. But, man. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> It'll be interesting what teams would actually go for this, to be honest. Um, so one thing, one thing that was interesting to me, Woj um, just came out on. I saw a video on Twitter where he basically says a guy like Barnes, a guy like Sabonis, a guy like John Collins doesn't move the needle in a Ben Simmons trade. Now, however, the caveat is that he says if Tobias Harris stays on that team. Huh. So that is interesting to me, but the fact is, like I I said it to you before before we uh you know before we started recording, like you ain't getting anything better, you're not. Like sure, you, if you want to wait till the summer, like for Dame and Bradley Beal, I'm gonna laugh so hard when they sign extensions and you're left out to dry. 
and then you're gonna get even less i like i don't think we're i don't think we'll keep them but like imagine if they if the return is buddy and bagley like that is a real that is a very real like scenario that can happen oh man uh that's scary that's that's a well not scary that's hilarious it's scary for sixers fans like they like it's they're unfortunately the kind of collateral of this but i mean y'all y'all were terrible in game seven like just you know booing your team like that i know he just passed up the dunk but like come on guys like let's not be let's not be that hard on the guy like you know have some sort of sense but like philly philly fans they they don't have a good reputation and you know, it is what it is, but it's like, man, that's where I, I, I can't imagine Simmons stays on the Sixers past the deadline. If he does, whoo. Yeah, it's pretty much just a wasted season, to be honest, just for having Simmons out for this long. And, you know, there's definitely no reason why he should be coming back anyways. But, gee, uh, yeah, hopefully Daryl has, a, you know, an open mind by the time uh, the deadline comes because geez i don't think uh, they had any uh, calls yet right about this i imagine they've had calls but it's like it's one of those things where again like a guy asks just lists a ridiculous asking price and you hang up on him it's like get fucking real like get real we're not i'm not trying to play i'm not trying to waste waste my fucking time talking about six draft picks or something like that man by by the way for like i look there's no one's confirmed this but like there were people that were kind of like kind of honestly like looking with looking with hindsight they were mad that we didn't offer make so the report was that we didn't uh fox and halibur were off the table during talks in the summer and like you know like looking back they should have probably tried and offer them to see what daryl like says I you know I, there's no reporting this is just my two cents about it I I can't it's hard for me not to believe that Daryl probably asked for both and like four draft picks I mean shoot he he still thinks so highly about this trade so I don't know he like I said he I don't I don't think he'll ever open his mind now that I think about it so. I mean I mean we'll see like you know pressure cracks like what is the saying uh the best nuts don't crack under pressure or like you're you're the like you're you'll never know who you truly are until like in your deepest and most pressurized moments or darkest moments i I don't remember what's saying something along those lines we'll see what daryl is made of like i i don't want to quote from game of thrones too much but don't ever make a threat you're not willing to carry out (laughs) oh man well, I wonder how Sixers fans think of this, and I really want to see how Sixers fans think of it if this doesn't go through by the end of next month. I, I got, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to a Sixers prop podcast tomorrow. I'll probably get back to you on that. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I am the podcast man, and uh, that that is what I do. Um, anything else you want to quickly talk about? Not that I could think of. Okay. Well, again, great win for the great win for the Kings. Like finally break break their uh, five game losing streak. I'm I'm excited for Drake Bars on ESPN thirteen twenty tomorrow. So, um, yeah. Um, you you have anything you want to say about the 49ers? 
I mean, hopefully we win against Dallas. That's about it. Okay. Well, yeah, there, there's the 49ers. Uh, there's the 49ers section for this uh, podcast. Maybe one of these <laughs> days we'll talk a little bit more about the 49ers. Maybe I'll watch football. Yeah, you have to watch a full game first to get better understanding, I guess. What would you say if I'm cheering for the for the Dallas just to fuck with you and 49ers fans? <sighs> I think a lot of people would start listening to us. <laughs> really? I, I mean, I know I know Sacramento's a 49er town, so yeah. I mean, like you know, sometimes sometimes I like the hate. Maybe maybe I maybe I like the hatred I mean, that comes towards me. It's like it's like saying that you're a Lakers fan around these parts. But then hey, again, hey, hey, there's a lot of Lakers fans around here. You saw that arena. I know. Sadly, there's not enough Kings fans for us to give give a crap. Hey, hey, I, hey I'll just say like th- there are Lakers. There are a lot of Lakers fans in that arena. I think the Kings fans outnumber them. I think because I don't think I saw as many yellow shirts as I would expect. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I feel like it's kind of fifty-fifty in my opinion. Yeah. Well, but you know, like I guess you know, I I probably won't cheer for Dallas because I don't want to get death threats. Because I've heard some wild shit about you, 49ers fans. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not like you know, like it's all fun and games until I start getting death threats and someone shows up at my door somehow. So yeah. Okay. Well. Anyways, again, good win for us. Hopefully, you build a little bit on momentum and take down the mighty, mighty, what's their record? 12 and 31 Houston Rockets and the 7 and 30, no, 9 and 31 Detroit Pistons in the upcoming three games. Uh, yes, yeah, so let's hope so. Yeah.